Oh geez, converts, hockey fans, what's up? It's NJ. I'm still thinking about that brutal performance by the Leafs in Scottsdale. Are things going to get worse for the Buds as time progresses? Actually, it just might because it seems like the blue and white are on a collision course with the black and yellow in the first round of the playoffs. Again, no, please. Well, they're going to have to face the reality and potentially exercise the demons at some point. Mike Ajello standing by. He wants to talk about all of that stuff. We're going to podcast right now in honor of you family day styles for our podcast family so what do you say let's do it the leafs combo starts now the leafs combo is brought to you by vanguard northeast realty with over 15 years experience vanguard provides superior level of service for commercial real estate tenants and owners for more information visit vanguardne.ca And we've linked up with our good buddy, MIB, in Cheektowaga, New York. Happy Family Day to me, Mike. Happy President's Day to you. Good good, uh, good afternoon, Norman. Uh, yeah, with uh, President's Day, it was when I used to work in the financial world, uh, it was always a nice day because banks were closed, so we got a day off. It was nice of the Leafs to take the night off in Arizona. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and that's, I, I, it's, it's getting to be a little bit of a concern. I mean, I know that, you know, an 82-game regular season is, you know, ups and downs and fraught with peril. Hmm. Um, but when a team as good as this with regularity doesn't show up against teams that they should beat, like Florida or, you know, Arizona losing two to, to the Arizona Coyotes, those four points could be the difference between home ice advantage in the first round and not. So, you know, they they were completely uh, befuddled by a Arizona team that was on them, that was hustling, that was great on the penalty kill. Um, they got two goals in the second period and really didn't look back. And I, I, it was just not a good effort by the Leafs. And you know, a road trip which is ending tomorrow night in uh, St. Louis. Uh, they're three and two. That's not terrible. If they win the game against the Blues, it's four and two, and that's accept very acceptable. But they're the hottest team in the league right now, and you can't say that's a, a given. They needed to win the game against Arizona, a team that's eminently beatable, and they didn't do it. We'll get to a couple of comments and concerns, as well as issues and questions from some TLC OGs on Twitter as well as the Facebook community platform. I think you chalk this slow start from the Maple Leafs and ensuing loss up to just a bunch of human beings not getting out of the gate quick enough, Mike. It's like people getting up in the morning and making breakfast and trying to get out the door and they forget their keys and um, there's a flat tire and uh, you forget your briefcase, you trip, you step on a banana peel, step in crap, you, you run into the wall. It's one of those days, and it's, it's unfortunate that these guys have them, but how else can you explain this kind of lackluster performance from a group with such talent that can dominate even the best teams in the league, is among the best teams in the league, yet you get this dog's breakfast? I Honestly, I just believe it's one of those days, and unfortunately, one of those days cost them two points. Well, it's not really explainable and all those things that you mentioned if you're at a regular job and you're late to work because, you know, you, your dog ate your homework or whatever, or whatever, you know, eventually you get written up. And, I mean, the the equivalent of that in terms of the Leafs is you show up slow and start slow in the beginning of the games, 
and you're going to lose the teams that you shouldn't lose to. And that that's been consistent this year. They, they do not traditionally get off to quick starts and, you know, they have enough offensive firepower to be able to, you know, respond later in the game and overcome that. But when you get to the playoffs, if you fall behind one, nothing or two, nothing, you know, the odds of you winning are very remote. So they've got to get out of that habit. And, you know, maybe it's something that once April 7th rolls around the last game of the regular season and we start in the first round of the playoffs that they'll just realize, okay, now it's the real season and they'll get going. But it's not a good habit to get into and they have not broken it all year. Can we realistically pin that kind of game, that kind of effort on the head coach, Mike and we can, we can talk about Mike Babcock later in this episode or on future episodes of the Leafs combo. But those who automatically go to the head coach as being the culprit behind any ineptitude or anemic performance from the fellas on the ice seem to forget that the head coach fills out the lineup card. And while there are some strategic things that he can do, when you get an effort like this, I'm not sure what kind of steroid injection you can give your team mid-game that's going to get them to perform otherwise. At sometimes during the year, this team is a puzzle because they're so deep, they're so talented, and maybe they take that for granted sometimes. I just know that, you know, looking at them, you know, there's no excuse for them not being good on the power play, but for most of the second half of the season, they're not good on the power play. There's no, no excuse for them um, having lapses defensively, you know, based on, uh, the, the, their ability to control the puck, but they have lapses, their defensemen give up the puck. I mean, it's, it's just a contradiction. It's like, you see where this team should be. And sometimes they just don't, they don't register. And, and, you know, I mean, that it's not like they're a, a failure because they have 75 points right now. They're near the top of the league. They're a good team, but I think they sometimes just make you, feel like there's something more there and you're not getting it these losses don't occur following a knock them down drag them out all in battle these losses occur after confounding and confusing and head scratching performances and that's why we make a big deal out of them to those who suggest all is fine and dandy and to not worry about it and just point the scoreboard of the standings you're right but <laughs> When you want to be the best in the league, you want to be the best in your industry and your craft. You don't pat yourself on the back after wins. You analyze what's going on and you look inward when things aren't going right because you know you can win. It's how you can add to those wins that means the most. And if you can, then you're going to get to where you want to go. This is the Leafs combo for Vanguard Northeast Realty, VanguardNE.ca, Norman James in London, Ontario. Mike Agello in Chictawago, New York. Happy Family Day to those in Ontario. I think it's a Canadian-wide thing. I don't know. Who cares? And happy President's Day to our, our American TLC OGs. Sheds, my man, Joe Shedler. The boys consistently play to the level of our competition. Up and down, way too often, don't start on time. Wait till last five minutes of the third to get going. This seems to me mental. Can we fix this without a coaching change, he asks. I'm not a fire Babs guy, but is that the only solution? I mean, we've addressed that Mike Babcock. He is part of the success and part of the, the struggle and the challenge of getting to that next level. But, you know, anybody who does, and Shedler is not 
suggesting that we should, or he's not adamant that Mike Babcock has to go. But any suggestion that Mike Bab, like a coaching change, may get this team in order, Mike, can we give that any merit? No, not none at all. And I, I understand, and the frustration, the level of frustration, will increase if this team doesn't have some success in the postseason this year. I understand it. But Mike Babcock's knowing not going anywhere. He's in year four of an eight-year deal. Um, I mean, I know that he hasn't had playoff success in a while, but you know, I think if they don't have success uh, in in the playoffs this year, if they don't win at least a round, um, then I think what's going to happen is there's going to be a I don't know that's significant, but there's going to be a, a, a change in the roster. Maybe finally there's an addressing of the defensive situation. And they realize that, you know, you just can't simply outscore teams in the playoffs, which they've tried to do the last few years. I mean, there may be a change of philosophy, but I don't think right now or even in the next couple of years that there's any chance that Mike Babcock is being replaced. Uh, not at all. Don't take for granted the idea that Mike Babcock is or will be replaced at any time in the immediate or long-term future because it's just not going to happen. Speaking of taking things for granted, if this, if, you know, this idea that the team takes its talent for granted and takes the opposition for granted because we know pound for pound, the Leafs don't have many, you know, they don't have many superiors. But ask any goaltender if they take anything for granted. So you might have Austin Matthews take for granted, say, hypothetically, that he's better than his opposing center on most nights. But do you think any goaltender would take for granted his skills over anyone else's? They, the goaltenders would rather win 10 nothing. Every goal they get for means a lot, and they want more. You'd, you'd never have a goaltender say, oh, guys, just get me a goal and we're good. So the idea of taking anything for granted is a little whack Imagine the forwards and the defensemen taking something for granted, or the team takes its talent for granted. Please exclude the goaltender from that thought process because you would, you'd never have any goaltender who is worth his weight suggest that, well, you know, we're good. Don't worry about it. Well, the goalie is the last line of defense, and we know that Frederick Anderson, I think, in most of the games that the Leafs have won, um, has been probably the first or second star in those games because he faces, on a good night, faces 30 to 35 shots. On a bad night, it's over 40. And that's one of the reasons why I was an advocate of them being able to have a backup goaltender who could play more, even going back to training camp when Babcock um, would not commit to Anderson playing a certain amount of games because he didn't know what, you know, where they were going to be in terms of the standings at a certain part of the year. And if you look at the standings right now, they're separated by one point uh, between them and the Boston Bruins. The Bruins play tonight in San Jose, so it'll be a, they'll, they'll have two games in hand after that. And if you look at the closeness of the race, Freddie Anderson's going to play every game except for the second of back-to-back. So you're going to get into a situation where at the end of this year, he's going to play 60, 61, 62 games. And I don't think that's a good thing in terms of you wanting your goaltender fresh for a long run in the postseason. So with 20-some-odd games to go, is that it, Mike? How many games? Uh, shucks. Oh, it doesn't matter. Oh, it doesn't matter. With the last 
segment of the season left to play. Several games still to go. Things to be decided, more points to be gained or lost. We're at this point right now already where we can put a large sum of money down betting on a Boston-Toronto first-round matchup, and we'd probably win that bet and reap a major reward. So with that said, Mike, the Leafs know what they're getting. A Another first-round challenge of you know getting through and, and making it a step closer to the ultimate goal. And, of course, another opportunity to exercise those damn demons that were black and yellow. So how did the Maple Leafs plan for this onslaught they're going to withstand and the attack that they certainly want to get behind between now and February 25th to put themselves in a better position than they were last year to finally get this damn thing done? Well, that that is the $64,000 question. I mean, right now, the way it's played out in the last, I'd say, week and a half to two weeks, where it looked like Montreal was going to challenge for second or third place, they've lost three straight, and Boston's won five in a row in spite of the fact that David Pasternak is out with a uh, thumb injury and we don't know how long he's going to be out. It, you know, it, it's more than likely. I'd say it's like probably an 85 to 90% chance it's going to be Boston versus Toronto. And that, you know, that should give Kyle Dubas an inside track on like, okay, now I know what, who we're going to play. Now I now we need to know what, now we need to know what he's going to do. Because if he stands pat with what he has right now, I really think that at best it's a 50-50 proposition, and in fact, Boston will be favored in the series because Boston's going to go out before the deadline and acquire uh, another score. They were going to do that before Pasternak's injury. I don't see why they won't do that. They've got a ton of first-round pick prospects, draft picks. They're, they're a loaded organization. Um, the Leafs have already made their big move by getting Muzzin, but if they play Boston – I mean, unless they don't, you know, I'm not saying Boston's going to run them out of the rink because the Leafs are not going to be confrontational, but they need players that will respond. And, you know, they lost three or four to the Bruins during the regular season. They lost in seven games last year. And in that series, you know, Matthews didn't play well, Neilander didn't play well, and they got run out of the building. You know, Kadri responds to uh, a hit and, and, uh, and knocks, uh, Shocks! I can't even remember the player's name, but that's not just added that out. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Kadri uh, gets suspended for three games for being one of the few players on the team that that it was showing any aggressiveness, and of course, he did it in a stupid way to get him suspended. But this team, if they're going to beat the Bruins, they're going to have to you know use their skill, but they're also going to have to be able to prove to the Bruins that they can't be pushed around, and that's not up to one or two players it's up to the entire team but you still need one or two players to say you can't push us around and we're going to respond in kind and they don't have those players on this roster right now you mean you can't organize data and follow the data and beat the boston bruins well i mean you know it's I mean, just true it's mike and again it's when i read comments from people saying no we're fine let's get let's get the coach to get the players organized properly because you know, there are precious few combos 
out of all of this talent that can actually succeed. It's it's ridiculous, and I think it shows the immaturity of some fans and this. And, and God love them, fans. If you're immature, I still love you, and I still want you to listen to this podcast. I'm immature too. We can be immature together. But I, what what I'm saying is, you can't keep doing the same thing and failing, and not consider yourself insane. You have to make change. If you want to succeed, you have to make change. And change isn't well. Let's let's make sure that Austin, William Nylander, just those two, and whomever play together all the time because that's going to get the job done. That's just not the case, Mike. This team needs to add reinforcements to take on this battle that is the Boston Bruins. Because honestly, Mike, the way things are going with Tampa, I have a feeling this is Tampa's year to win it. They're gonna it's the this is their year to lose it. They're that good. So this first round matchup that we're all expecting between the Leafs and the Bruins and don't kill me for saying this, but it's true. Is the Leafs Stanley Cup? Get past these damn guys, win this mental cup, beating the Bruins, and then now you know what it takes to get through that first round against this adversary. And if the Leafs are a year or two away, you put this feather in your cap. Well, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility that a team like Tampa, who was going to win the President's Trophy, if they come up with the wrong matchup in the first round, like right now they'd be facing Montreal, but Montreal and Pittsburgh are tied. If they face the Pittsburgh Penguins, it's not it's not implausible that the Penguins could beat Tampa Bay. So you can't really assume that the Leafs are going to run into Tampa Bay in the second round. They have to take care of the of the first step in that long climb towards the Stanley Cup championship. And that first step appears to be the Bruins. Now, I, I broke it down in my uh, column on Hockey Buzz this morning. And great read, by the way. Thank you. Um, and if you if you if you look at right now, the Leafs are better in terms of quality at forward than the Bruins are. The Bruins are a one line, maybe a one and a one and two thirds line offensive team. Uh, you know, the Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak, and then Krejci and Jake DeBrusque on the second line. That's mm-hmm. why they're looking for another, another scoring forward to give them a solid second line. Um, the Leafs are three lines deep in terms of offensive firepower, but the Bruins are a four-line team, and that fourth line in one of the recent, one of the last games they played in Toronto, uh, it was Sean Corrales scored a goal and two assists. I mean, that fourth line can kill you, and that's why I think the Leafs right now with a f- potential fourth line of, you know, Par Lindholm, Freddie Gauthier, and uh, you know either Andres Janssen or Connor Brown or Tyler Ennis, whatever the construction is. Mm-hmm. that fourth line needs to be improved. Now, I think the Leafs are arguably better at forward. They're not as good on defense. The goaltending may be a slight, yeah. edge, slight edge to the Leafs, but then you take in the physical aspect of the Bruins and how the Leafs have been intimidated by the Bruins, uh, not just, you know, t- we can't say 2013 is even on the radar anymore because none of the players except, none of the players at all are on. Our fans remember it. Right, the organization fans, remembers it. Right, but, but – And the, but the last, chronology but, of the – of the, of the organization. So it's, it's there. It's but still there for all year, of us. But, but last year, that team and this team are fairly similar. The difference yeah. Barras, and you can't, you can't ignore that and you can't ignore what the Bruins did. And that's why in the next seven days, 
you look at what Kyle Dubas can do. I don't think he can go out and get another top four defenseman, but he can go out and get a, a depth forward. He can go out and get a depth defenseman, somebody who can provide a little pushback. And if he does that, I think it improves their chances of beating the Bruins. You can add Gretzky, Bossy, Larry Murphy to this Leafs team. I don't know why I picked those three. They're just good and, you know, champions. And the Leafs still wouldn't be favored to beat the Bruins. This isn't about the tail of the tape. This is about the mental wherewithal. The what what sort of adverse adversity is faced by one team, and what sort of superiority is held by the other, and that's that's what it comes down to. Uh, real quick, we got to get to some more questions, then we got to run. Mm-hmm. Um, are the Leafs and Wayne Simmons not in the same conversation anymore? I don't think so, simply because the price that. Philadelphia is looking for for Simmons is probably a conditional first round pick and the Leafs already traded their first I don't think they're going to take much less than that or either a conditional first or a player who is a first round equivalent talent Uh, I've heard you know Tampa Bay as possible destination for Simmons oh wow that's been rumored out there for a while. And if they get him, that just makes it, you know, a Goliath even more uh, imposing. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that the Leafs are going to spend the, uh, what is necessary to get Simmons. They might be in on Furland if the, if the price is more reasonable, but I, I even doubt they're going to go down that road. Hmm. Wow. Okay. <laughs> let's get to a few more comments and then we shall commence with our regular lives. Yeah, Coster Boy's 59 at Dort, 1953. Coster Boy, please tell me that's not when you were born because I'm looking at your avatar right now and you look a lot younger than that. But if you were born in 53, great year. Mike was born then too. Let's be realistic, he says. Giving up top-end talent for rentals besides they are one, two years away. Again, Mike, there are a lot of fans who think that the Leafs aren't quite there yet and that might be a, a, a way to safely distance yourself from proclamating the Leafs champion this season, like I did on this podcast a couple of months ago. Boy, time has changed. Uh, one of the young Swedes on D, keep our RFAs, not Gardner, maybe a Brandon Montour trade in the summer, one gritty winger with term. Mike, um, so essentially, there's still some work to do, and fans might be readying themselves for a little more disappointment to come, and that's why I believe that beating Boston, in a lot of ways, is the milestone the Leafs need to get through first um, in order to um, hurdle that challenge, that mental challenge, and start making their way towards what they really want, and that's the cup. I mean, Kyle Dubas is not going to give up their top-end young prospects for rentals. He's, I mean, if they go for rentals, it's going to be for something less than that. I mean, if they go out and trade for a a depth defenseman like a Ben Lovejoy or, um, you know, even in bringing back Roman Polak, which I've hinted at before, it's going to be for a mid-round pick. It's not going to be for a a Jeremy Bracco or Timothy Lilligren or Rasmus Sandin. Those guys, you know, the only way that they're in a conversation, and and Dubas has said he's not trading Sandin or Lilligren, but the only way those players are in conversations is if they're getting somebody with a a long-term left on their contract. So that's why I don't think it's likely they get another top four defenseman. It's the the odds are long on that, and they're probably going (laughs) to – 
get a depth forward and a depth defenseman. It's going to be something that's not ridiculously expensive, but they, you know, they've got prospects and draft picks and they can get those guys. Uh, your buddy, your buddy, the meathead just tweeted at us right now. Nice response. Meathead. I asked if anybody wanted to ask any questions because we are currently recording and uh, we're not flooded with things because people have other things to do, but the meathead's on it. He wants to know if we're going to see Rasmus Sandin or Timothy Lilgren in the in the majors or the show or with the Leafs this season. I can't uh, think so, eh, Mike? First of all, meathead, I loved you on All in the Family, and you were a great director. <laughs> um, yeah, he uh, is. No, no, no. They are not going to no, Okay, jo- Okay, John Valella. Love this guy, too. What would be your level of comfort if the Leafs did not make a trade and only had Ennis, Moore, Bracco, Marinson, and Rosen as reserves for their playoff run? It's very possible that Dubas has confidence in the team as currently constructed. I personally think that they still need to add some players to improve their chances. Um, it's Like I said, it might be a 50-50 proposition, I, I and maybe I'm jaded from – playoff losses before if Pasternak is back hundred percent healthy, mm-hmm. I don't think they're beating the Bruins. Yeah. Even with, even with, Tavares, you know, Tavares would have to be a, a force and a, he, he more, he could very well be that Matthews would have to have a much better performance than he did last year. And Freddie Anderson would have to play like Freddie Anderson has played during the season, not during the playoffs. So if those things happen, the team as they're currently are constructed could beat the Bruins, but I would favor the Bruins. Here's a diabolical theory that I believe a lot of fans who are anti-responsibility and who place, who, who look at older people or management or su- superiority as the, as the problem with everything and who think that Austin Matthews and William Nylander can run the team themselves. I believe there are people out there, and wouldn't this be something if Kyle Dubis or Dubis were in that mindset? And I think this is this is conspiratorial, like this is real History Channel stuff. Um, let these guys run run out the way they are right now without adding any additions to beef up or help the team get forward. Have them lose and pin it all on the head coach. Yeah. I, I mean, again, it's but but you have look we. We respond to social media. We respond to reaction. That's what we do when we build a podcast. Yeah. And we're, we're, we're flying, by the way. You don't see us on, the, uh, on Reddit or the message. You know, we're not on the, the popularity list, but we are very popular. And I thank you very much. Keep telling your friends we want to get even more popular because it's all about building this show. But <clears throat> there are a lot of people on social media who think there's nothing wrong with the team and that it just comes down to... You know, 21-year-old Austin Matthews doesn't like the head coach. And William Nylander doesn't like the head coach. And um, uh, Jake Gardner doesn't like the head coach. So what? Figure it out, guys. You want to win a cup? Go win a cup. You're doing well. Things are great. It's, we can't turn this into the head coach is not getting the message out there. These guys are way too young to have that kind of pull right now. Right. If you're a, you're in year three and you just went to the Stanley Cup finals and these guys are starting to get grizzled and, you know, you've you've hit that precipice and something goes wrong, then I get it. But right now, this idea that, well, the youth runs the world. Well, in a lot of ways, yes. But in this case, it's part of the process. So let's not let's not get to a point here where 
you know, we don't, this team doesn't do anything. And when it clearly does and it fails again, and we start looking at the head coach, because that guy, he's, he's part of the, the success. He's part of the challenge. And I think, um, you know, that he's, he's just part of the bigger process. Last word to you. Yeah. I mean, I, I, until we see where this team goes in the postseason, any chatter about Babcock and his future is really pointless. Um, you know, I understand it. And like I said, I mean, right now, all the fans out there are hung. What they're hungry for is victories, you know, it's and victories when it counts. You know, it's great to if they get 105, 109 points, but it's going to matter in the second week of April when they're playing against Boston or if, you know, Montreal makes a run and they're in second or third place. We'll see that. But I think it's going to be Boston. That's going to be the test of this team. And if they show up and if they play well and if they win, then all this talk about Babcock will be just background noise. Let me ask you something before we go, Mike. We, sh- we should be going because it's running on, but this is a good podcast. Are, if Tampa acquires Wayne Simmons, are they going to be lambasted for acquiring a guy who's on the downside the same way we've already set ourselves up to criticize the Leafs if they were to acquire Wayne Simmons? Or do they just say down there, F it. We want to win a Stanley Cup and we're going to do what we have to do. I mean, Tampa right now, I mean, they're looking for that final piece and they're going to be facing a crossroads in the summer because they have to sign Braden Point and they're probably going to have to trade some players away off the current roster. So this might be the last chance for that current group. Um, to, in, my, in my mind, if you're in that position, you do everything you humanly possibly can to win. And if sure. you think that missing piece is Wayne Simmons, then you go out yeah. – sacrifice what you need to to get Wayne Simmons you know the Leafs may not think that they're that close that they that Wayne Simmons is that final piece but I do think that they there is room to improve and that's the big question over the next seven days how close does Kyle Dubas think this team is and how willing is he to go out step out and make that big move and say, okay, I'm putting all my chips into the middle of the table. There's some people like Elliot Friedman out there who he was talking on his uh, 31 Thoughts podcast last week and said, you know, it's possible that guys mm-hmm. like Dubas or McClellan, the GM in Washington, or Jim Rutherford or who or Lou Lamorello will roll the dice and go for it. I'm not so sure, but that's why the next seven days will be exciting. Understood, Mike, and I get it, and I've alluded to – and a lot of us understand that the Maple Leafs are a year or two away. Thanks, Coster Boy, sixty or nineteen forty-one. Um, it's it's true. That was you were born in forty-one, right, Mike? The war was just getting started. Yeah, I was born uh, right at Pearl Harbor. I'm kidding. You look younger than me, my friend. Mm. I, I certainly feel younger than I do right now. Um, but what the hell was I saying? There was one worth <laughs> one. No, it was. It was just, uh, fuck, I forgot. I was just, uh, what did you say? Uh, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. And this is it. Look, Kyle Dubas has to look at the big picture. He's got to think of what's happening now, what will happen prior to the playoffs, how playoffs may go, what's going to happen in the offseason, and then seasons to come. So he's got the big picture in mind. And a lot of fans are along for that ride, and a lot of fans think that, we're closer. Uh, we're, we're not as close. Some people think we can, the Leafs can win the cup. No matter what, you have to be responsible. You have to be smart about what you do. 
yet you can't inhibit your ability to take risk and make decisions when those decisions have will have a greater impact than at other points um, along the way. So while Wayne Simmons might not be the guy for the Leafs now, a guy like Wayne Simmons may be um, what the Leafs need to, and the data might even suggest this, put them over the top. So let's hope that that, that moment, that, that moment of, of truth, that moment of real change, real opportunity is not too far away. And this, what's happening now is a step in that direction. Mike, we got to go. Thanks, Norman. We would like to thank Vanguard Northeast Realty in Scarborough, title sponsor of the Leafs Convo, demonstrating passion for the industry and a superior level of excellence in selling, leasing, and marketing your property. Vanguard Northeast Realty. All right, that was a longer episode, so just a quick wrap. Let us know how we're doing inside the YouTube comment section. Get at us on Twitter at Mike and Buffalo, at Norman James TLC, yada, yada, yada. We want to hear from you. We want to know how we can make our podcast better. For Mike, I'm Norm. Gotta go. Peace.